Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, and this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who somehow never saw The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files, spoiler-free. Today, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 19, Hell Money. It originally aired March 29th, 1996. It was written by Jeffrey Vlaming and directed by Tucker Gates. I believe it's the first time we've seen either of those names. Hmm. Well, even though the episode was credited as having been written by Jeffrey Vlaming, <laughs> it was showrunner Chris Carter who came up with the idea of doing an episode about a pyramid scheme for body parts, a notion that became the basis for this episode. Yeah, I see. Not usually a fan of the X-Files episodes where there's nothing actually spooky going on. Exactly. Well, in the Monsters of the Week book, they title each of their episodes with fun little names. And this one is, forget it, Fox, it's Chinatown. It was exactly, yeah. In which it's time for another racially insensitive episode. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, the synopsis here is in Chinatown, Mulder and Scully discover an illegal lottery in which the losers are forced to donate their internal organs. Fair enough. It's not spooky. I don't care how many times you say this is a ghost party or whatever. <laughs> ghost party? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is not the X-Files kind of spooky. Ready for the cast? Ready for the cast. We have Doug Abrahams. He is Detective Neary. He previously played Patrolman Number 1 in the X-Files episode Pilot. Excellent. Agent Number 2 in Genderbender. Ooh, from Patrolman to Agent. I wonder if it's the same character. He just got promoted. <laughs> and he actually has a name in Die Hand Die Verlets. He is Paul Vitaris. Is that one of the Satan-worshipping guys? That's after he got drummed out of the FBI? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from Patrolman to Agent to out of the FBI well, and now worshipping Satan. Now, well, now he's detective. Now, oh, he's back to detective. That's yeah. right. He yep. got his old job back. <laughs> I guess that's still a it's still a promotion, promotion from still, Patrolman. He's still going. He's still going up the ladder. His life is on a ride. <laughs> we also have B.D. Wong as Detective Glenn Chow. He was Wu. Oh, here's another. Here's another fun. What is it? Career journey. He is Wu in Jurassic Park 1993. Mm -hmm. He is Dr. Henry Wu in Jurassic World 2015. Well, it's probably the same character. No, I know, but he's okay. just Wu. Just Wu. Oh, he gets a name. Doctor. Oh. Oh. So we, <laughs> I don't remember the first one, but in 93, he's kind of young. It's only a couple years before this episode, mm -hmm. so maybe he hasn't gotten his doctorate yet. Maybe. I don't, I don't remember. He's just working in the park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember, but he's titled his title is just Wu, uh -huh. and then later it's dr henry Wu. so that's why i said it's another career yeah, journey went to school good for him we have lucy Liu as kim sin credited as lucy alexis Liu. at this point she had only been active for about five years mm -hmm. makes sense uh she was oren ishii in kill bill volume one hell yeah she was alex in charlie's angels Okay. And Kitty Baxter in Chicago. I trying really hard to think of one of the songs from Chicago <laughs> so I could sing a bit. I got nothing. We also have James Hong as Hard-Faced Man. Oh, man. He is David Lopan in Big Trouble in Little China. One of the greatest movies of all time. He is Mr. Ping from Kung Fu Panda. The other greatest movie of all time. <laughs> Those are the top two. <laughs> and Michael Yama as Mr. Sin. He's Harry's dad in Dumb and Dumber 2. Okay. He's Dr. Cho in All Babes Want to Kill Me. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like a great movie. That's number three. Yeah. He's also in a lot of other things where he didn't have actual names. He had just character titles. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to find names. Yeah. So, and then All Babes Want to Kill Me. All Babes Want to Kill Me. And the first time I read it, it was All Babies Want to Kill Me. And I was like, <laughs> I would still watch that. <laughs> That'd be even better. I am I am in for either and or both. <laughs> That's the fourth best movie of all time. <laughs> it's a double feature. <laughs> It's, it's the prequel. Yes. <laughs> All right. We start off in Chinatown, San Francisco, California. We start off with me writing in my notes, oh, no. 
<laughs> amid a hectic Chinese street festival at night, which I was like, I love these things. I not not specifically Chinese street festivals, but street festivals with giant puppets. Yeah, freaking love the giant big puppets. Chinese dragon things are yeah, they're awesome, phenomenal. Not enough of them in this episode, <laughs> <laughs> right? More more dragons. Uh, we see Johnny Lowe running through San Francisco's Chinatown. He hurries into a darkened alley and up a flight of back stairs to an apartment door, pausing to examine newly painted white Chinese lettering on the door. Once inside, he is confronted by a man hidden in shadow, who, in Cantonese, insists that he must pay. Oh, you got a translation? I did. Oh, nice. In desperation, Lo stabs the man, who bloodily falls to the floor. Lo then turns to see three masked figures standing before him. I love these masks. Yeah, these guys are pretty cool. Yeah. Location note, Vancouver's Chinatown was used to represent its more celebrated counterpart in San Francisco and had stood in for Hong Kong earlier for the production in the previous season three episode, Hyper Maru. Outstanding. I didn't know that Vancouver was diverse enough to have a Chinatown. I think it's just a huge city. It is a huge city. I mean, we don't have a Chinatown here. We're a pretty big city. Yeah, but I feel like Vancouver's got to be bigger. I really don't know. Bayside Funeral Home. Later the same night, a night watchman in the Bayside Funeral Home is distracted from a, a handheld poker game by a metallic bang in another area of the funeral home. That's how you know it really is the future. The future is now. He can play blackjack in his pocket by himself. Yep. What a wonderful time to be alive. <laughs> I liked that it had the little ching, ching, little, <laughs> the little sounds like he was at a poker or in a casino. Yeah. I guess that's not a poker table sound, but it's a casino sound. He investigates the noise, momentarily catching sight of the masked figures, which I just, again, love. Because they're dressed all in black, but they have these round white masks that just, when you see them from your flashlight, they just glow. Yeah. It's awesome. They also look amazing. He also finds that the clatter is coming from an operating crematory oven. So he goes up to it hesitantly, which... Is the only way to do this. <laughs> it has a peephole, which is nice. Yes. Convenient. He peeps into it, and I think he probably wishes he had just <laughs> stayed back there and played another hand of blackjack. <laughs> you mentioned when we were watching it just now, he doesn't bother to chase the guys, and you were with it. You were like, yep. yeah. <laughs> don't bother. Nope. Those guys? They're gone. They left. <laughs> <laughs> three against one mm -mm. <laughs> three against one and they look creepy they look like they can handle themselves and me no thank you <laughs> <laughs> me i just got this flashlight and this blackjack game <laughs> uh so inside the the oven is johnny lowe who is being burned alive which is pretty horrific now as far as ways to die go Ugh. is this really that bad yes do your nerves die quickly, is what I'm wondering. Not quickly enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, a crematory oven is like, it's not like falling in a campfire. No, I know. But do you think they heated it all the way up before they put him in there? Or do you think they put him in there and then heated it up? I would think that they would heat it all. Oh, probably put him in there and then heat it up. Yep. I'm going with no. Do not want to die that way. Thanks. Yeah, I'm unsure. It just depends on how fast your nerves die. Because maybe you just, it's a quick moment of pain and then nothing. Or maybe it's horrific for 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. Your eyeballs would melt out of your face. Yeah, but if your nerves aren't there, you don't feel it. Who cares, really? But your nerves are inside your body. They're also you're gonna, on the outside. You're going to feel it for a while. Your yeah. optic nerve goes, oh, it's so buried inside your head. And then your eyes pop and melt. <laughs> And then bubble and then turn into exhaust fumes. <laughs> exhaust fumes. Yeah. Thanks for having me describe all of this. This is horrifying. I love the way you say buried. That's how I always say buried. I know, and I love it. That's <laughs> how it's spelled. <laughs> all right. So awful. David may want to go that way, but I do not. <laughs> I just don't want to drown. I don't want to die not being able to breathe. That, to me, is the worst. Well, Dying you scared. You don't think you'd die scared in a crematory oven? I don't know. Did you see that guy? He was screaming. I'll try it next weekend and then I'll let you know. <laughs> so, okay. So breathing, you'd be breathing in such hot air yeah, that you're the, right. your lungs would be boiling. You're right. 
I was just thinking if your nerves died real fast, then it wouldn't be super painful. Ugh. Detective Neary shows Mulder and Scully the badly burned corpse of Johnny Lowe. Mulder is critical of the detective's use of lucky because he says, we're lucky to have found him in this state since we found a couple of others that were burnt even crispier. Uh-huh. And then Mulder's like, yeah, actually, this is the 11th body that's been found in a crematory oven that shouldn't have been there. Mulder says, All right, lucky's not really the word I'd use. And he said, no, we got lucky, not him. No, that guy's <laughs> definitely not lucky. And we can all agree, sir. <laughs> Excuse me, Fox. I said we got lucky. They do agree that there have recently been numerous similar cases of victims being burned alive. Of course, Mulder just knows. He just knows. Actually, there's been a. This is the 11th because there's three over here. There's three over there. There's 14 over here. Seattle, L.A., and Boston. That's right. Neary introduces Mulder to Detective Glenn Chow. The one person on the force that speaks Chinese in Chinatown. Yes. They have one, one guy. Yep. Well done. Well yep. done, SFPD. He uh, he translates the writing the uh, for the Chinese word that was on the door into ghost. He says it's the Chinese word for ghost. Mulder also finds a small scrap of... Oh, because the... Okay. The Chinese word is inside the crematory. Yeah, on the, the ceiling. The crematory oven, yes. To, to when the guy wakes up, that's the first thing he sees. Yes. Ew! Good job, bad guys. Right? <laughs> you did bad guying pretty well. <laughs> You're good at bad guying. Mulder also finds a small scrap of paper among the oven's ashes, which, first question, how? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently that corner is not hot. <laughs> Chow explains that the paper is hell money, a symbolic offering to spirits during the Chinese festival of the hungry ghosts. And Mulder suggests that it may help them identify the victim because he asks where they can get hell money. And Chow says there's not a lot of places that sell it. Yeah, I just realized I hope that the Festival of the Hungry Ghosts is a real thing. Otherwise, it's Pac-Man. The Hungry Ghosts are an ancient ancestral legend of Chinese folklore. Yeah, that's from X-Files fandom. According to the fandom. Yeah. In the daylight, the two FBI agents exit their car outside Lowe's apartment building. Scully notifies Mulder of information that she has learned about Johnny Lowe, including his name and his occupation. As they climb the same back stairs that Lowe used, Scully thinks Lowe was purposefully killed by a cult or gang, but Mulder lengthily explains his theory that ghosts were to blame. <laughs> it's ghosts. Didn't you see that word inside the crematorium? It said ghosts. It was their, it was their uh, calling card. The agents meet Detective Chow outside Lowe's apartment. Chow tells the agents that he is uncertain about the meaning of the white lettering on the apartment door. It may be a code, and Mulder asks him to write it down. Which I also would do at this point, because I don't know anything about the Chinese language, except that if you miswrite it slightly, it'll be a whole other word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would just be like, you know this. This Sc is, this is yep. please. <laughs> <laughs> Scully says it's... It's tacky? Yes. Come on, Scully. This is another culture. Just because you don't like the way it looks. <laughs> no. Lame. <laughs> because then they go inside the apartment and Mulder is like... Speaking of tacky. Yeah. So they go inside the apartment and as they're looking around, Mulder notes that the apartment's carpet has been newly installed, but shabbily laid. Still lucky that his apartment got new carpet. <laughs> Dude, right? <laughs> Most of us don't get that lucky. <laughs> Scully opens a drawer to find Chinese herbal medicine and a dried frog, both of which Chow identifies for her. He adds that frogs are occasionally used as charms for good health, prosperity, and protection. And Mulder then announces that he has discovered bloodstains beneath the carpet. Which, look, not to fault the carpet layer, because totally not your job to also clean up blood, but if you're covering up blood... You gotta replace the carpet pad. Yes. If you're not replacing the carpet pad, you're not doing your job right. So do blame the carpet layer. <laughs> that's just, that's part of the new carpet. I have a feeling. He's cutting corners. <laughs> I have a feeling there's a reason for that. <laughs> I don't appreciate the poor craftsmanship. <laughs> At night in another Chinatown apartment, an Asian man, Sin, returns home from work and takes both tea and food to his daughter, Kim, as she lies in bed. Returns home from work wearing a 
San Francisco Carpeteers jacket. Yes, Carpeteers. We know that he plays football for the San Francisco Carpeteers. That's right. Even though she asks him to stay with her, he hesitantly tells her that he needs to leave to do money-making business so that he can pay doctors to make her well. Yes, because Lucy Alexis Lou needs a, quote, operation. I know, for leukemia? They do explain it later, which I'm happy about. I was going to mention it later. But in this moment, it's just like, I have sick child. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, are you really not going to give these characters enough depth to... <laughs> Tell us what is actually oh, happening. That is true. They do have a whole thing at the end. Yeah. But in this moment, I was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> Kim recalls that the doctors have said that the required operation costs too much money. But this statement only frustrates Sin and he leaves anyway. A production note. During post-production, the lines of dialogue spoken by both the Japanese actor Michael Yama, who played Sin... And Lucy Liu, who portrayed Sen's daughter and spoke Chinese with a Mandarin accent, were re-recorded <laughs> with assistance from a vocal coach. Uh. After it was realized that the two performers were meant to be speaking in a Cantonese dialect, these re-recorded lines were then dubbed over the episode's original soundtrack. The decision to re-record the dialogue was influenced by several factors. You're going to love this. Including sensitivity to the Chinese community. Hey, they got one thing right. I like that they did this. Credit where they, credit's due. That they figured it out. But if they were going to be sensitive to the Chinese community, they should have thrown this whole thing in the trash can. You're saying that Chinese people stealing other people's organs is not sensitive? <laughs> Just throw it in the trash. <laughs> you, think that a, you think that that's a weird thing for them to <laughs> put in this show? <laughs> Um, this sci-fi supernatural UFO show? Just Chinese people steal your organs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it's weird. Oh, well, I think it's. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I think it's misplaced at best. <sighs> you know how you leave some things on the cutting room floor? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> <laughs> One thought I did have while watching it is, though, powerful people will take advantage of the less fortunate in every culture. They could have, they could have told that story. Weird. They could have told that story. They are telling that story, kind of, in the overarching <laughs> myth arc yeah. with the CSM and that whole org. Look, hire all of these actors to play real parts in a different kind of, I don't know, story that involves aliens. I've got a thing that ties in with this later. Okay. Sin makes his way to an upper floor of an abandoned restaurant where the room bustles with working class Asian men. And they pan all across the room, and I'm looking at all these Asian guys. I'm wondering how many of them I saw in Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> at least one. And I'm, no, here's the problem I'm having. All these Asian dudes, we are 10 minutes into this episode, and James Hong has not showed up. I am pissed. <laughs> it is 10 minutes in. I saw his name in the credits. James Hong needs to be here. Good, good news. In my next sentence, he's, he arrives. <laughs> yeah, my next line of notes. But it does take place five minutes later in the episode. <sighs> they made me wait an additional five minutes <laughs> to see James Hong. Three suited men enter the room and organize a game in which the working class men participate by drawing colored tiles from jade vases. They actually put their tiles in and then one man, one of the suited men pulls a tile out to identify who who is chosen of all of their named tiles. And, and they, then another man pulls a tile out of a smaller that, jade vase. That person pulls his own tile. Oh, that's right. You're so, right. He handed it to another man. It's This is well done because we don't know what's going on. Right. Excuse I me. like it. There's a sense of excitement in the room. Yes. And Sin is a little let down that his name didn't get pulled. He's like, oh. And the guy whose name did get pulled is kind of excited there's a big box of money on the table oh, yes yes and if you don't speak cantonese you don't know what they're talking about which gives it that air of excitement yes and the guy pulls his tile out and immediately i wrote down oh i don't think he won the money <laughs> <laughs> a wiry man his name is titled wiry, wiry man, man. <laughs> with one milky eye draws a tile that elicits great excitement from the crowd and a sense of relief from Sin. I think Sin was relieved once he saw which tile was right. chosen. But before, you're right, there's kind of this, there's this anticipation because... They want their names to be drawn. Yes. The wiry man is then reluctantly escorted to the back room by one of the suited men. 
And I don't think all of the extras in this spoke English or got very good direction because I pointed out there's one guy who's just laughing and having a ball in the background. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, you know that guy's about to die. What's wrong with you, man? You know what's happening here. It's rude. Even if we don't know yet. Chow, Scully, and Mulder browse through a Chinese apothecary, which would be cool to look at and just see what's in all kinds of... Uh, The investigators question Dr. Wu, an Asian lady who is the store's proprietor, and Chow acts as a translator. She is measuring, or she is weighing some different, I was going to say herbs, but I'm not sure what they are, different um, ingredients from the apothecary. And there's this is one of the types of stores that I, I love going through and just being like, wow, look at the variety of stuff. I don't know what to do with any of it, but amazing. I just, I love, I love this. I think I like the aesthetic, Hmm. all of these glass jars and cases and things. And it's like different groupings of, of things that other people who are much better at most things can actually use for, (laughs) for like, I don't know, making tea and making medicine and making all kinds of stuff. So Dr. Wu identifies the herbal medicine found in Lo's apartment as skullcap root and Chinese angelica, which Chow adds are both used as painkillers. So he's going here to get some painkillers, which everybody has. (laughs) We all have painkillers at our house. Upon viewing a hand-drawn rendering of the characters on the door of Lo's apartment, Dr. Wu adopts a fearful expression, mutters in Cantonese, and hurries away. Chow explains that Dr. Wu said that the apartment had been branded a haunted house, which relates like the hell money found earlier to the festival of the hungry ghosts. As Chow continues to tell the agents more about the festival, the wiry man is drugged, drinking a warm liquid as he sits on a chair under a bright light. It actually looks kind of nice. It does. (laughs) Drinking some drugs. Like they were drinking drugs in the last episode. Just relaxing. Everybody's just drinking their drugs. Just relax and do some drugs, man. Then he starts seeing apparitions of ancient Chinese figures, one of whom seemingly removes the man's heart as he watches. Yeah, because Chow is doing like a voiceover during all this, explaining the bad ghosts that'll come to you and how to protect from it. Yes. The Festival of Hungry Ghosts, as explained by Chow, makes sense. It is a similar type of thing that many cultures do, where you have your night that the veil between the living and the dead is the thinnest mm-hmm. and you have your your rituals and your your the things that you do in order to protect yourself from the hungry ghosts or the the malicious ghosts or the the practical jokers that could come through it's a nice storytelling um dynamic i, w- I wish they had been better about the rest of the the episode but Actually, it would have been, uh, no, it probably still would have been incredibly culturally insensitive if it had actually turned out to be a ghost. I still, I think it would have been more fun. Would have been a better episode. If it had been, the veil was so thin and somebody failed to set out their offerings or whatever, because so many cultures have that. Yeah. In one way or shape or another, including us with Santa Claus and milk and cookies. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't set him out, then his little goblin guy comes over and kills all your children. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with that one. Krampus comes and eats all of your children. <laughs> Better leave those cookies out, man. Wow. It's going to eat something. I guess so. It's either cookies or your offspring. All right. Well, I don't have any. Well then I, you better leave out some cookies or he's going to lick your toes like the guy oh. in Gerald's game. <laughs> With just the longest tongue. <laughs> so he closes his eyes. We're back at the wiry man. He closes his eyes and the visions disappear. The hard-faced man approaches while wearing surgical garb and opens the wiry man's good eye, checking on his condition. Hell yeah. Finally, James Hong, 15 minutes in. (laughs) Yes. Damn you for making us wait for James Hong. (laughs) The agents ask Detective Chow about the festival as they walk down a street in Chinatown. The detective supposes that a connection between the recent murders and the festival would make sense as the festival is almost over. He says one uh, one of the consequences for not doing what you're supposed to in the festival, during the festival, is that somebody drags you down to the Chinese hell 
the Chinese hell of what? Because if there's one thing I've learned from Big Trouble in Little China, <laughs> Chinese have a lot of hells. Yeah, they didn't have time to add which hell. Bring up John Carpenter. They didn't. <laughs> He's very sensitive to the Chinese people. <laughs> that movie is very culturally sensitive. <laughs> Chow also implies that he does not feel strongly for or against his ancestors' belief in the festival. In fact, he's more haunted by the size of his mortgage payments. My mortgage payments? One third of my income. So, oh my god. So one, I bolded that statement. <laughs> you did. And two, I, uh, what's a mortgage? <laughs> uh, it's a death contract. Is this a man it's in his? French. Is this a man in his thirties who has a mortgage? In Are you fucking kidding me? Nineteen ninety six. Yes, <laughs> that's not and a thing anymore. And it's a third of his income. I can see there are probably people in their thirties who have mortgages who are that definitely are not living in San Francisco no. as working class folks. <laughs> All right, Highland Park Cemetery. A night watchman encounters. My favorite three masks <laughs> as he nears an open grave in Highland Park Cemetery. Was he just, he was driving around. I guess he was just scouting. He was just doing his rounds. Was he a security guard? Yeah, if he's a night watchman, he's just driving around. Yeah, that makes sense. Because at first I was about to say, what was he doing out there? Oh, no, he's just doing his job. He's just... he, yeah, he was in a pickup truck. So that threw me. It wasn't like yeah. a company vehicle. But... Yeah, <laughs> the pickup truck also is what threw me because I'm like, he's not prepping the grave for tomorrow. It's dark. And he, doesn't, like, and he doesn't have any lights set up or anything. Like, that that would be a daytime or even an evening thing. I definitely believe you have to dig graves in the dark. But, you know, you'd have some lights set up. Seems like digging a grave a day early is a bad idea. But maybe that's just because we live in Florida. I, I just feel like it would just fill with water I immediately. Think, I think that's pretty normal because you don't want the heavy machinery around when the family shows up. You got to move that shit out. <laughs> you gotta hide it behind that tree they're just digging it up while the service is going yeah we all miss our brother billy <laughs> yeah. yeah you gotta you gotta do that before everybody arrives hey. i don't know if they could i guess depending on the time of the service you could probably do it in the morning but i can also see doing it the day before depending on demand yeah, I think it's just because we live in Florida and any hole you dig is going to be filled with water in two hours. <laughs> and alligators. And alligators. <laughs> you, you got another two hours before the alligators show up, though. He um, he sees the guys and he grab or the, the people in the masks, and he grabs, he turns to grab his flashlight. But as soon as he turns back around, they're all gone, which means that they probably have those little mesh black masks under the white masks. Mm -hmm. So all you have to do is pop that off, put it under your robe, and then you're just all in complete black in the dark. Or they just turn around. I guess they could, they're just still standing <laughs> there. You can just, just kind right of there. see them in the edge of the screen. The, the guy just gives up. He's like, He's like oh, wow, where'd they go? I guess they're gone. I'm not going after them. They look like they can handle themselves. <laughs> and me too. <laughs> I guess I'll just get my pocket flapjack. <laughs> Damn, this thing's not blacklit. It's 1996. <laughs> oh, no. The future is not now. <laughs> Later that night, Detective Neary shows the agents to the grave, telling them that the three figures, whose motives are still unexplained, were wearing the same masks as were spotted in the crematory. Neary also reveals that the open grave is newly dug in preparation for a burial on the following day. Acting on a hunch, Mulder digs in the dirt at the bottom of the grave, unearthing the dead face of the wiry man. Mulder jumps down in the grave, to do some actual investigating and everyone is confused yes what are you doing he's like my freaking job and they're like yeah why <laughs> what did you <laughs> Mulder's the only one that's like they probably put something here this would be a great place to hide stuff right oh what does he say a two for one two for one burial yeah at the coroner's office in central station which I guess is also in San Francisco. I guess there's a central station in places. Sure. It's a station in the middle. Makes sense. <laughs> a curious Mulder approaches Scully while she is still autopsying the wiry man's corpse. She shows him that the man's body organs have been harvested uh, sometime based on the scarring sometime within the last year or all within the last year. Mm -hmm. The agents exchange jestful banter like, this guy left his heart in San Francisco. That was a Scully line. Yeah. And when Mulder asks Scully how her discovery of organ harvesting relates to the other victims, 
She recalls Johnny Lowe's glass eye, which is a decent connection here. She can also do detective work. Yes. It's not just Mulder jumping in graves. <laughs> right. And they talk about a part of this guy's liver being gone. Let's see. They've harvested his cornea. A kidney. A kidney and part of his liver prior to also the heart. Finally, the heart, I guess. So a note about livers. This is actually from a site that I didn't actually, I didn't put it in here, but it's from a site about organ donation. A small percentage of liver transplants are completed each year using a portion of a healthy liver from a living donor. Living donation is possible because the liver is the only organ that can regenerate itself. An adult may be able to donate a portion of their liver to a child or another adult. Yep. And I was like, huh, would she, so a portion of the liver had been taken and maybe recently, so it hadn't regenerated. I wonder if you could tell. I wonder if it's like a little lizard tail coming back and for a little while it just looks all weird and out of place, but it's definitely new and growing. Probably. Might be like a clear line or two different colors. On yeah. Hmm. Should have looked up pictures. And not shared them with me. Yep. As Scully continues with the autopsy, a frog climbs out of the corpse, shocking the agents. More frogs in the cemetery, like fresh bones. Yes. And, and now we're going to have to have a, another another sticker that says frogs, but with exclamation points. <laughs> yes. You stole my joke. <laughs> I can't believe you stole my joke. Good job, though. Well, I created it last episode. It's a callback joke, but it was a production note because I love I love the production notes about how they do things in in these scenes. The scene in which the frog emerges from the corpse's chest was relatively simple in comparison to the series' usual technical standards. Toby Lindala's makeup effects team used stock molds to rig a fake human torso that was placed over the actor as he lay on the table. To film several close-ups of the frog's emergence, the fake torso alone was then placed on a table that had a hole in the midsection, so that the series' animal wrangler could gently push the frog up through the opening from beneath the table. Wonderful. Yeah. I enjoyed the frog coming out of the body scene. I did too. It was pretty great. Elsewhere, the strange game continues... With Sin again included amongst the crowd of participants, this time he is the individual who is dragged towards the back room. But it is a different tile that he drew. Yes. Story note. Even though the game in this episode was entirely fictitious, many people thought the game was real. Uh, of course they did. A fact that story editor Frank Spotnitz found interesting. He went. Be because Frank Spotnitz did think about how gullible people are. <laughs> Frank Spotnitz was like, huh. People are really <laughs> racist, aren't they? Yep. You live here, Frank. You already know that. <laughs> My name is Spotnitz. I can ignore this shit. <laughs> In Monsters of the Week, they expand on this by saying, simply setting a premise like this in a part of the country where the dominant population is full of foreign-born residents bumps up against notorious xenophobic urban legends about well-off white Westerners having their organs removed in foreign countries. Yep. Yeah, it's not. Come on, Frank. This isn't a new concept. Yeah. I don't care how convinced Chris Carter is that he is the first one to think about <laughs> someone stealing someone else's organs. This shit's been around forever. <laughs> not real. It's not real, but this urban legend has been around forever. Just to be clear. The San Francisco Police Department. At first... Interrupting Chow on, from a phone call conversation that he duly concludes, Scully and Mulder confront the detective about their findings of both the frog, which Scully believes probably contradicts Chow having earlier claimed that frogs are used as good luck charms. <laughs> they wrote, why? Frogs exist. <laughs> frogs. They're everywhere. Shrug. <laughs> and the fact that the organs of the latest corpse had been harvested. The agent suspects Chow of being protectively secretive about the goings-on within the Chinese community because, what, Chow, you're Chinese, are you protecting the Chinese community? Ooh, but Scully Chow, being a little problematic. Oh, super, Again. super problematic. What a surprise. But Chow responds by explaining that he himself is an outsider from that community because he is an ABC American-born Chinese. Chinese they let B.D. Wong act, and B.D. Wong fucking acts. Oh my gosh, he he's, serves he's these lines. He's so good in this scene. Yeah, he is. 
He, he is, uh, it's great. And meanwhile, Mulder is just over in the corner eating sunflower seeds. Because Mulder is not that great. He's remembered that he likes sunflower seeds. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, is there a conflict going on? I'm going to be over here in the corner. <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. Great scene for, uh, for Chow. Because, holy hell. He begins to lead the agents to the company that installed the carpet in Johnny Lowe's apartment. Because one of the things that he had been doing was following up on who installed the carpet. Which we find out a little later is easy for him to do. Yes, but... (laughs) But still, come on. Just because Scully was... I mean, not really right, because it wasn't... He's not protecting the Chinese community. He's getting paid off. Different things. (laughs) Yeah. But... Just because he is in on it doesn't mean that this isn't incredibly problematic. It's, he's in on it because it's money. He's getting paid. She's like, you people stick together, That's, don't you? Yeah, it was rough. I think Scully should be ashamed of herself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scully's out here chanting, build the wall. Oh, my God. Build the wall. Yikes. And I'm over here chanting, B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong. <laughs> It's true. It got noisy in here. It was weird. <laughs> I also wrote down chanting. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. Look at that. The investigators pay a visit to Sin's home. He has a heavily bandaged eye, which he claims is a work-related injury. He says he got a carpet tack in the eye. Ooh, which sounds awful. Oh, God. I don't know if I ask any follow-up questions. Nope. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry that happened. I have to go. <laughs> Didn't you come here for something? Don't remember. I have no idea. (laughs) I'm afraid it's catching. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Scully questions the unforthcoming sin about having laid the carpet in Johnny Lowe's apartment. Mulder comes across one of the colored game tiles and fucking steals it. And Chow talks (laughs) with Sin's bedridden daughter, telling her what is happening. Kind of. He says that he's talking to her dad. Scully asks about the carpet laying and uh low says that he or not low sin says that he was it was just a job he doesn't know who the person was because his boss just gives him the address and he goes and lays the carpet yep which totally makes sense to me i mean i guess you would have the name on the work order because you would have a work order probably not but, necessarily but yeah. is so hostile to him Jeez. and i wonder if it's because he didn't replace the carpet pad because it's shoddy workmanship. Maybe. Or she's just mad that she's talking to a person of color. <laughs> she also knows he's lying at this point because they had called his his um, boss and his said boss. he did it, this job on the side. Yeah. Which I can't imagine your boss is going to be happy about, even if it doesn't impact him whatsoever. Because he's like, that could have been my business. <laughs> right. That's my money. You're stealing from me, laborer. That's, Yeah. <laughs> I can abs- when she said we called your boss and he said you must have done it on the side. I was like, well, this is gonna come back and hit and get him too. Because mm-hmm. bosses do not like that. They don't. They don't. Mulder and Scully's discussion with Sin and the agents wait for Chow in the hall outside the apartment. The detective has a conversation with Sin. Um, Chow has a detective. Chow has a conversation with Sin, but once he follows the agents out, he claims he was merely warning Sin that a blocked up back window in the apartment was a fire trap. This is where we get the feeling that he's not being truthful. Yes. This is the time. The, now. Just now. After after all of the... After he had such a good scene in the last scene. After all of the personal attacks. He lets us down. I don't think it's... I don't think it's B.D. Wong letting us down. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, it's Chow. Detective Chow is letting us down. Detective Chow is letting us down because, you know what? So we had his back there. He's not really bad. He's just written this way. Oh, is that fucking Hollywood? That's from like a who Cool fr- World. Who framed Roger okay. Rabbit? <laughs> Chow also says he does not recognize the game tile that Mulder found, although he does identify a character on it as meaning meaning wood. And the agents agree that they should subsequently follow Sin's every movement. As the trio leaves, Sin spies on their departure from the inside of his apartment. His daughter approaches. Just a reminder that this is Lucy Liu. Lucy Alexis Lou at this point. <laughs> and questions him about his eye. Despite initially trying to dismiss her concerns, he then revealingly implies more of the truth. That the injury is related to his desperate attempt to find money for her operation. He says that if she can't find treatment, 
Who would be to blame but him? And I say to Mr. Sin, how about the American medical system? Yes. The richest country the world has ever seen, and we can't go to the fucking doctor. Exactly. Meanwhile, Chow returns to his own home, which in um, in the description is an elaborate townhouse. Oh, is it? Okay, nice. We saw, like, the hallway. I know. And then I, I keep reading that line, and I'm like, I kept looking at my notes and didn't notice, was it? It was an elaborate hallway. <laughs> okay, all right. It was perfectly straight. Oh, elaborately straight i do look for a i do look for straightness in my hallways yeah not really anything else in my life but definitely hallways <laughs> <laughs> he finds red chinese signage painted on his front door and encounters inside a trio of individuals who wear my favorite masks the chinese figures painted on the door in red are the same figures that were on johnny lowe's door ah okay and he definitely recognizes them mm-hmm Tired and jumpy, Mulder is conducting an uneventful stakeout on Sin's apartment when Scully arrives. She tells him that Chow has been attacked and hospitalized, so they leave. She gets in the car and is like, hey, how's it going? Why did I scare you? Because he jumps. And he's like, yeah, they're playing with fireworks out there, and I'm going to be a cop real soon and just go shoot people. Yeah. It's like, I'm just going to shoot people for shooting off fireworks. I was scared for my life. I want to remind the audience that I'm a cop. However, their departure is secretly observed by one of the game organizers. Hell yes. The hard-faced man. James Hong, again. And he has dark hair, and I don't think I've ever seen him with dark hair. <laughs> oh yeah, because even in the first scene, he's got um, a cap on. Yeah, he's got the medical cap yeah. on. And in Big Trouble in Little China, he's got so much makeup on. Yes. <laughs> that you can't really tell. Yes. And he... then in Wayne's World, he has gray hair. Oh, yep. <laughs> This man contains multitudes. He does. <laughs> he can be an ancient mystical Chinese monster. He can be Tia Carrere's dad. Mm -hmm. And he can be a doctor yeah. as well. Look at that. That's a lot of stuff. That's a multitudes. lot of different things. And uh, Ryan Reynolds' counterpart in RFID. Mm. Yeah, it's awesome. Wow. He's great. Lots of, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Multitudes, as you said. Yes. He heads towards Sen's apartment. Uh, moments later, Sin lets the hard-faced man inside, declaring that he wants to leave the game, although his visitor tries to convince him to do otherwise, basically saying, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> he might as well have said, what the fuck is wrong with you? Come on. What do you think you're doing? Do you think you're the first person to tell me this? Do you think that that is even possible? Do you think I care at this point? Get no. your shit together, Sin. They are unaware that Sin's daughter is witnessing their meeting from her bedroom door, which is just an oversight on Sin's part, because... You know she's there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Even though the hard-faced man threatens that the Chinese ghosts will claim Sin if he breaks the game's rules by leaving, Sin begs the hard-faced man for permission to be excluded from the game. Leaving, the hard-faced man denies responsibility for choosing whether Sin is given such permission. He says he's going to be taken to the Chinese hell of being boiled alive. Yeah, it's awful. Chinese had a lot of hills. <laughs> yes, as you've said before. I will have both of you roll off to the hell where people are skinned alive. It's that symbol, understand? St. Francis General Hospital. Mulder and Scully arrive at St. Francis General Hospital only for Neary to inform them that Chow has already left without waiting to be dismissed or let out or whatever. It, they walk up to him and he just says, uh, he starts with, he's gone. You don't start with that in a hospital. What the hell, man? Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. He's gone. You don't lead with, he's gone. He's left. Okay, that's right. fine. Not he's gone. Oh my gosh. You're trying to give everybody a heart attack. <laughs> These agents don't care about him. Come on now. <laughs> the agents talk while Neary fetches a medical chart on Detective Chow for Mulder's perusal, which I think is interesting that the person to ask for the medical chart <laughs> is, is the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist. The chart shows that the blood found on the carpet padding in Johnny Lowe's apartment was the same blood type as... Detective Chow. Typo negative. Yes, of course. Mulder suspects that Chow was the person who asked for the carpet to be installed, suggesting a secretive connection between the detective and Mr. Sin. Furthermore, Mulder concludes that their conversation was not actually about a fire trap. Wow, that's good detective work. He's working hard. <laughs> he's, he's having a great episode. When the agents return to Sin's apartment, his daughter answers the door to them as her father is away. 
She permits them entry and allows the agents to interview her, admitting what little she knows of her father's desperate effort to find money and that she has been diagnosed with leukemia. She also reveals that the symbol on the colored game tile not only means wood, but also corresponds to the eye, information that Chow did not tell the agents. So I looked up what else that symbol could, what what could wood, the symbol for wood, mean. Okay. And according to, you're going to love this, because okay. I did, Dr. Brett Mosher. Okay. Dr. Brett. Dr. Brett Mosher. Yep. Okay. On his site, MosherHealth.com. He is a leader, expert, and innovator in the field of natural medicine. Oh, God. And has been for nearly four decades. Just oh. so you know the background of this guy. Oh. Whose site I found the what wood symbolizes, in where'd, case it's wrong. Where did he get his doctorate? I don't know. Is he an MD or a PhD? Um, his site shares that in Chinese medicine, wood corresponds with in the body, liver, gallbladder, tendons, and eyes. Okay. The color green, the emotion of anger, the flavor sour... And wind. All right. Okay. Wonderful. I just wanted you to know that I found a Dr. Brett. Dr. Brett got his honorary doctorate from Temple. As Scully determines that Sin was rejected as a bone marrow donor and more recently had both his liver and kidneys measured by the organ procurement organization, Mulder suddenly realizes that Sin and the victims have been participating in some sort of game. Is it the most dangerous game? Highlight? Yes. So when they said organ procurement procurement organization, I was like, holy shit, is that a thing? And apparently, yes. And then when I read what they were, I was like, oh, of course they are. (laughs) (laughs) How fortunate for me to not have to have known this already. (laughs) Right. For anybody else who didn't know, OPOs are nonprofit organizations responsible for the procurement of organs for transplantation. They are the entities legally permitted to recover organs from deceased donors and also provide support to donor families, clinical management of organ donors, and professional and public education about organ donation. Everybody put it on your driver's license. Be an organ donor. Yeah. There's no reason not to. Exactly. You can't take your liver with you. And it'll grow back. The first responders will help you regardless of whether you have that marked off on your driver's license or not, because that is another urban legend. That one's a wild one. This one's a wild one. Yeah, okay. It's all wild. Tell me an urban legend that you're just like, mm, makes sense. If you flash your headlights at somebody who has their lights off, they'll kill you. <laughs> yes. That one makes sense. <laughs> They're like, mind your fucking business. <laughs> yeah. Become an organ donor because you're right. Can't take them with you. Elsewhere, Sin once again returns to the bustling restaurant where the game gets underway. They go to visit the organ procurement organization in downtown San Francisco and the agents are there, they, once the agents arrive there, they are told by an OPO staffer that numerous Asian men have been requesting typing and antigen workups, only to have subsequently disappeared. I love that we kind of joked about the agents asking if, oh, do you have the name or the number of this doctor? And the fact that <laughs> the answer could be no would be <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> be nope. amazing. No, I... He looked like a doctor. He told, me, <laughs> he told me they disappeared. I just believed it. He's just a guy who comes in. His first name. Oh, he's, he's not an doc- actual doctor. His he's first Dr. Name, Brett. His first name's doctor. Oh. <laughs> it's not even a title. It's just his first name. And like you said, he just walks in off the street with a stethoscope and his first name's doctor. What are you going to do? Question this guy? Not me. If you look at his license, his driver's license, first name doctor. Last name ever. Doctor ever? <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't understand it's that a joke. Drake song. No, oh, okay. <laughs> First name greatest, last name ever. Oh, okay, okay, that does make sense. The game continues, and the agents arrive outside the restaurant where it is held, having been led there by a clue from the OPO staffer because the staffer gave a phone number. And one thing that they are good at detectiving is calling the one guy back at the. Back at the ranch, who knows how to identify where phone numbers are listed. Uh, yeah. Because they're not doing the research. The phone they, number ranch. They, they've got the phone number ranch guy. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I I know which I'll address. wrangle that address <laughs> for you, little lady. I know which address Yeehaw. is matched up with this phone number, and it's the restaurant. While they're sitting outside, they see Detective Chow enter the building. It says closed. He just goes in. He <laughs> looks suspiciously around. He's got a key. He does. He does have a key. Or he's the... <laughs> Fastest lockpicker in all of the ranch. Yeah. Wait, he's not part of the ranch. He is. He's a. He's also in the cops. 
He's in the cops, but not on the ranch. The ranch is strictly for phone numbers. Oh, okay. My bad. I lost the through line of this <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> You're saying this stuff doesn't make any sense? Look, if this episode doesn't have to make sense, why do I? <laughs> Despite trying to escape, Sin is being dragged to the back room because he's been chosen again, and it's being watched by Chow, which... He now is having second thoughts because he's met Lucy Liu and there's a pretty lady involved now. And so... It's a child. I think he's mad that there's a child involved. You're gonna love what I have coming up. Oh, fuck me. (laughs) The agents enter the restaurant, finding the ground floor to be darkened and deserted, but containing frozen human organs, especially a ton of eyeballs. So many eyeballs. uh, In the restaurant's kitchen. It's a veritable eyeball ranch. It is. It's not my cuisine of choice, but okay. I mean, people like what they like. Chow, meanwhile, asks that the game be stopped, but when his request is strongly denied by the A-game organizer, who reminds Chow that he has been paid well for protecting the game from foreigners, Chow angrily smashes one of the jade vases. Actually, he tips... He... He... Tosses that whole table. Uh, yeah, he, it's, he wasn't even trying to smash the vases with the tile. He was just hulking out. Yes. <laughs> Flipping tables. He was just doing what dudes do when they're told no. And reacting strongly. <laughs> oh, yes. He's totally out of line. <laughs> breaking up the organ harvesting game. <laughs> what yeah, a bastard. That's not. He's not actually breaking it up. Yeah, he is. He's, he's trying to. He's just flipping a table. He's trying to. Who amongst us hasn't? Flipped, flipped a, table? a table at an organ harvesting game. Nah, not me. Not yet. What are you waiting for? More children to die? I'm waiting. I'm trying to win that jackpot. I see. It's over $2 million. <laughs> I can retire. So when he, when he flips the table, the, vase, the vases smash, revealing that the tiles inside are all the same color. And I said, what is this, Vegas? <laughs> you know, because it's rigged. I can't believe they would rig this game. When do you think they're going to do an X-Files episode based on Stonewall and how the bars and clubs regularly had to pay off the NYPD to not get raided? Never. Just, you know, because they're making a point that he's getting, he's a cop getting paid off by his people. (laughs) Now that everyone knows the game is fixed, the crowd of participants storm the gaming room, noisily alerting the other agents to their presence. (laughs) Oh my God. Can you imagine this happening in Vegas? The house always wins. Wait a minute. Riot! Riot! <laughs> this is, there's a great episode of Angel that takes place in a casino, and they lose the deal, and they're going to lose Angel's soul. And he just goes, hey, who in here all owes this guy money? <laughs> and they just fuck off. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Nice. Nice. In a room that contains a jarred frog, another operation is about to be conducted on Sin when he sees a vision of his daughter, of whom he begs forgiveness. And James Hong assures him that his daughter forgives him. Which is, you know... That's that's a nice thing to do to somebody you're about to murder. It's a nice thing to do, but what he really should do, if we're all being honest, is anesthetize that man. He is. He drank the thing. That's why he's all, like, in and out and wobbly. They're like, iodine in your chest, you're eh. still talking. It, he, he needs another dose, but they did give him the stuff that they gave the other guy, I'm sure. <laughs> give him more. Detective Chow interrupts the procedure and shoots the hard-faced man, but both the detective and the hard-faced man are then taken into custody by Mulder and Scully. James Hong says, you should have killed me. I love it. <laughs> yes, I good. do too. The hard-faced man later speaks to Scully in a questioning room. Smoking a cigarette. They, they, he let, tri- they let James Hong act yes. in this one. He tries to justify the game. He doesn't. He doesn't even try to justify it. No. He doesn't think he needs to bother justifying That's it. That's right. That's actually what happens. He's like, I don't need to talk to you. Yeah. I don't need to talk to you, white lady. I don't know you shit. His attitude is so cavalier. It's great. Scully argues against him, however, and retorts by notifying that the man will be sent to prison for a very long time. Only twist. (laughs) (laughs) Scully is called out of the room by Mulder, who informs her that Sin is still in intensive care at St. Francis Hospital, but that Sin's daughter has fortunately been added to the recipient list of the OPO. Great. Because she met some FBI people? I don't know why. Okay. You know what? I'm going to say no. 
I'm going to say that's not why. It's, when has the FBI ever helped anybody? I don't know, but it seems to be the only reason she would have gotten at it. And even if she's added to the donation thing, she can't afford it. That wasn't the problem. The problem was, this is America, yo, and we have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes. We have to go bankrupt in order to not die. Yeah. Wonderful system we have here. It's lovely. The agents then meet up with Lieutenant Neary. Both he and Mulder let Scully know that they can't convict the hard-faced man without testimony from Chow, who has since gone missing. Ooh. Which is just another thing that is just delicious about this whole, you're going to jail for a long time. And he's like <laughs> sitting there smoking his cigarette. You know, if it wasn't James Hong, I'd be pissed off that he got away with it. Yeah, but by this point. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we have to be on someone's side. It might as well be James Hong. <laughs> Unbeknownst to the agents in Neary, Chow is lying inside a crematoria oven where he awakens and sees a blue lit pilot light, which would just be oh. terrifying. And then the word on the ceiling. Yep. He watches as the oven is turned further on and flames rise. Just like I said earlier, this is how they're doing it. They are they don't put you in there when it's 3,000 degrees. They put you in there when it's cold. Yeah. A wall of the oven bears the Chinese character for the word ghost. Such a great ending to it. It is. It's really good. It's not supernatural or about aliens. No, but it's a great shot. It is. It's a wonderful way to end an episode. It's, an, it's interesting how many good pieces are in this yeah there's a lot of good elements the overarching story is a problem yeah but the people <laughs> the people who had nothing to do with the story are doing a fine good job yep so how are you surviving oh surviving i am blowing up that game way earlier if i pulled the heart tile I immediately smash that thing and be like, look, this is fixed. Um, I'm moving to a country with socialized medicine. That's a great idea, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably way easier. (laughs) It's probably really hard also. Yeah. (laughs) Who are you shipping? I am shipping some people of color and this writer's room. (laughs) Dude. I think this story could have been told. Maybe not this one with the organ harvesting thing. Yeah. But... A story could be told yeah. about, you know, Chinese culture or the festival of the hungry ghosts, if yeah. that's a real thing. Yeah. These cultures have cool shit in them, and it probably would make some cool episodes of the X-Files. You just have to get people from that culture in that writer's room to make sure you're not fucking stuff up. Yes. Yes, I agree. It's a it's a simple fix. It really is, and Hollywood is still not doing it. Ugh. All right, well, I'm shipping David Duchovny and Lucy Liu because they were dating during the filming of this episode. What's the age gap on that? Seven years. And she was like 21, 22? Something like that. <sighs> not great. Especially <laughs> since he was just dating the woman from Tombstone. Yes, just. <laughs> So then I looked up um, David Duchovny's dating history and found just some junk site that had people listed. Yeah. And the funniest thing, like, it was just, like I said, it's a junk site, so great of salt. Four people said he was dating them between 1994 and 1996. <laughs> <laughs> like, the whole two years? Right. <laughs> or just somewhere in there? I don't know. But it, the way that it was worded sounded like... The whole time. The whole time. <laughs> it wasn't mid, because there was another one that was mid 90s. And I was like, that's also mm-hmm. 94 to 96. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were, Duchovny and this woman were dating 1994, <laughs> between 1994 and 1996, which. Okay. I mean, you can date a bunch of different people in two years, fine, but the way that they wrote it was yeah. like, are you. Dated for two years. <laughs> he dated. Dated four people for two years. Yes. Did anybody else know besides <laughs> David Duchovny? Well, he did later come out and say that he is a sex addict. Yeah, I know. So everybody should feel bad about his womanizing. I know he does. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because it's a disease. He feels self-important and sorry for himself. So that's not quite the same thing. Wow, now it sounds like you're describing Hank Moody. <laughs> yeah, I am. Look, 
act as little as possible. (laughs) (laughs) The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at thecastfiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by Atuka Art. That's O-O-K-A-R-T. Burial. Sorry. Yes. It's how it's spelled. I'm not making fun of you. You are absolutely making I'm fun not. of me. I'm <laughs> not. I'm being sincere. I like the way you say that word. <laughs> you can't be sincere and have your eyebrows all the way up in your hairline. <laughs> you can too. I'm being sincere. <laughs> it's because I'm trying to convince you. I'm being sincere. <laughs> No, no, I don't have a glass one in right now. When do you? (laughs) Other times.